welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Hey friends, good to see you. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and it's appropriate because we are talking about a man who had an encounter with Jesus, uh, who had a significant role on that Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus' followers, and an amazing movement of God happened that begun the birth of the church. We're talking about Simon, also known as Simon Peter, also known as Peter. We're going to look at Peter, and we're going to take a look at Luke chapter 5 and Matthew 16. And this Peter, he began as a fisherman, he became a disciple, and then he finished as an apostle. And at the end of the message, what I want to do is give us two pieces of advice that we might uh, learn from Peter's story. So here's what I want you to do. If you have your Bibles, if you didn't bring one, we provide one for you. I'm going to be moving around a little bit. So if you would follow me to Luke chapter 5, while you still keep Matthew 16 kind of on your radar. But in Luke 5, there's going to be Jesus calling the first disciples. And in this story, we're going to see how Simon, who will be later known as Peter, is called to know Jesus. Let me read Luke 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. So we're going to pause there. I want to give you this picture. Jesus' first encounter is he sees these fishermen, he sees an empty boat, he gets in and basically says, hey, can you push me out? And he continues teaching from the water because it was too crowded on the shore is what I'm guessing, and they could hear him better. Now, here's what I want you to see is, actually, I visited this area um, that the Bible is talking about. Uh, you got the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, and what we see here is this ancient church is actually built uh, over the side of what they think is Simon Peter's actual home. So here's a picture of it. I visited this site. It's these uh, stone ruins, and above it is a modern church, and they have this glass. You can look down into the remains of an ancient church, which they believe is on the site of Simon Peter's home, this fisherman who became a disciple and then ended up becoming an apostle. Now, keep in mind this. Simon had a brother. His name is Andrew, and they had a family fishing business. This is what they did for a living. Now, we know from John chapter 1 that Simon was originally from Bethsaida on the north shore, and then he later lived and worked in Capernaum on the north tip of the Sea of Galilee. And we know also from Luke chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians 9 that Simon, later known as Peter, that he was married. And I always love to tell my Catholic friends this because they consider Peter the first pope. And I just like to remind them, you know, your first pope was married. And that's always a fun conversation when I mention that. Um, but Simon was a fisherman, and he's going to have this life-changing encounter with Jesus. Now, take a look at Luke 5, verse 4, because now we see the fisherman becoming a disciple. And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. Let them down for a catch. 
And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. I would love to know what he's really thinking. Like, dude, I'm a professional fisherman. I know what I'm doing. But if you say so, master, I'll do it. When he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. What a great story. I want you to notice in this text, in verse 8, Luke, the writer of this story, he changes the name from Simon to Simon Peter. I think Luke is giving the reader and hearer a, a clue. A transformation is happening from Simon to Simon Peter. And Simon goes in the story from a fisherman to a disciple. I want you to notice as well that Simon, he begins to, I think, with doubt is my personal opinion. And he calls Jesus master. That's verse 5. But at the end of the story, after the miraculous catch of fish in verse 8, he calls Jesus Lord. You have Simon becoming Peter. You have Jesus as master now becoming Lord. Because I think what Simon was doing, he was keeping Jesus at arm's length. Okay, master. Okay, teacher. Okay, great wise one. I'll do what you tell me to do. After he sees a miraculous catch of fish, he says, you are the Lord. I don't even deserve to be in your presence. And some of you might be here today, and Jesus, you might call master, teacher, enlightened one, great, great spiritual guide. But you're keeping Jesus at arm's distance because what we know from our text today from Matthew, what Jesus wants to know is this. Who do you say I am? Oh, master, teacher, good guide, spiritually enlightened one. And Jesus saying, no, 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 that's not enough. Who do you say I am? Am I your Lord? Before we take communion today, it is for believers in Jesus Christ who know Jesus is their Lord. If you're keeping Jesus at arm's distance by respecting him as a spiritual guide or one of many ways, then he is not your Lord. Our prayers before you can participate in this communion is you would say, I need Jesus as my Lord. I need Jesus as my Savior. I have been treating him as, a, as a, just a spiritually enlightened one, one of many paths. No, Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. I'm not one of many options. Who do you say I am? May you leave this place today convinced, just like Simon will be, not just a great teacher, a master, a rabbi, oh, but Lord and Savior of the world, Lord and Savior of my life. Who do you say I am? Jesus wants you to know him as Lord. In 1956, there was this famous TV show called I Love Lucy, and this guy named Keith Thibodeau got the part 
of little Ricky Ricardo Jr., and he later played in this show called The Andy Griffith Show. Some of you might remember these TV shows. I grew up watching these, these things. And though Keith, little Keith wasn't a Christian, and he was a drummer, and he got noticed by a talent scout, but miraculously, he got the part and had this wonderful life in Hollywood. He loved Lucy and Desi Arnaz. He said they were great to work with. He made lots of money. His family moved out to Hollywood. He was living a kid's dream. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a churchgoer. But he remembered his dad saying, because Keith asked, Dad, how did I get so, so lucky to like, get chosen? He's like, God must have a purpose for your life. And he believed that, that this higher power must be looking out for him. Don't we have a lot of friends and neighbors who think that way? What happened to Keith, though, his parents got divorced because his father was unfaithful. It destroyed Keith's life. He actually blamed this God he didn't know, this higher power, this force, saying, if you're a real God, why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow the fame of Hollywood and the money destroy my family? And this young Keith became a teenager, and he got into the Hollywood scene and the party scene, and he ended up, as an adult, he got into the occult looking for spiritual answers, trying to fill his soul. And he got addicted to drugs, again, part of that Hollywood scene. And in desperation of his spiritual seeking and being addicted to drugs and the partying wasn't fulfilling him anymore, and I, I think at that point he maybe wasn't a famous actor, he cried out to God and said, if you're real, you got to help me. And just right after that, his mom invites him to church. And while he's at a church service, perhaps like this, I wasn't sure in the middle of the sermon or in the middle of the music, he says God visited him. He says, I'm not sure if it's called a trance or a vision or whatever it would be, but he saw Jesus walking towards him. And in this vision, in this trance, as Jesus gets closer, listen to what Keith's words sounds very familiar to Simon. He says, he says, Lord, I don't deserve you. Lord, what about my sin? And he said, Jesus said to him in this vision, in the middle of the church service, Jesus says, that's why I died. And he came out of that vision. He gave his life to Christ on the spot. He went forward. No one knew what happened. He just went forward, and he confessed Jesus as Lord. Now, some of you, some of you are already in a trance for my sermon. Okay, so I'm going to wake up from the trance. Some of you may not have that same experience with Jesus, but I'm telling you, he's real, and he knows you. And he knows you're playing around the edges of this God thing. And he's a, he's a master. He's a spiritually enlightened one. But is he your Lord? Do you bow down and say, confess my sins? I need you uniquely. He's not just one of many ways. To go from just a generic appreciation for the rabbi Jesus, the enlightened one Jesus, to him as Lord. You make that step today. You don't have to have that same experience, but you have the same opportunity to call him Lord and then participate in our communion today as a new believer in Christ. What an opportunity. Jesus says, that's why I died, so that you can be near me.
Now, I want you to keep in mind, Simon's encounter with Jesus demanded a response, just like with Keith. Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishers of men. Simon the fisherman was becoming Peter the disciple. And what Jesus is doing, he's foretelling Simon's future, that you are going to be a fisher of men because Peter didn't know there'd be a day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come down and he would use Peter amazingly as a voice of truth for the sake of Jesus and thousands would get saved from this fisherman, Simon. Jesus is prophesying truth into Simon who now becomes a disciple and will eventually become an apostle. Now we're flipping back to Matthew, would you go there with me? Matthew chapter 16, back to the text we read this morning. In Matthew 16, I'm going to start in verse 13 that we read. And remind you, in this story, it's about Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ. Because what happens, I want you to see this. Jesus says, who do the people say I am? They say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets, verse 15. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Here's that question again, right? Who do you say I am, Keith? Who do you say I am, Sally? Who do you say I am, Roberto? Am I the Lord? Or am I just one of many options for you? And then Peter replies, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You see, Simon, who is now Simon Peter, the disciple. I know who you are. You're the Messiah. That was the prophesied Jewish Savior. You are the one that our ancestors have been telling about for hundreds of years. The Messiah. And in verse 17, Jesus answered him, Simon Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. That simply means son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is heavenly revelation. And I tell you, you are Peter. You are Petros. And on this rock, on this Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let's pause there. Now, again, my Catholic friends have a lot of special interpretations about this section of Scripture. I think it's basically saying, my interpretation is, Jesus is saying, Simon Peter, I am telling you, you're going to be a great foundational leader to start something called the church that's going to change the world, and you're going to be a key part of it. You're, you're going to have an amazing ability to release new kingdom realities, the keys of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus, the, the truth of the power of the Spirit within the community and within each individual person who confesses Jesus as Lord. Okay? Jesus is saying, I see something in you that no one else sees. In fact... He gives him the name Peter. I said it was Petros, which in the Greek means rock. So Jesus is doing a little play on words here, right? I call you, Simon, now rock, because on this rock, I will build my church. In you, something special will happen that's about me, Jesus is saying. Jesus gives a prophetic nickname to help Simon become the solid person that Jesus saw within him, even though Peter was impulsive. I can give you story after story after story of Peter falling on his face. 
denying Jesus, being impulsive, being a jerk. But Jesus says, I see something in you that no one else sees. You are a rock. And the other disciples were probably thinking, this guy a rock? You got to be kidding me. Jesus says, I am Jesus. I am telling you, you are a rock. Jesus was giving Simon the nickname Petros, rock, or I like to say, Rocky, 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 this is my strong and solid rock. And the other disciples are like, "Mm, I'm not so sure about that, Jesus. That's my guess. You see, Peter the disciple has his destiny as Peter the apostle. That's his next title. And what is an apostle? Literally someone who is sent with a particular purpose. Within the New Testament, we see it's someone who ministered alongside Jesus and one who was personally called by Jesus to share this gospel message. And in fact, Peter, the apostle, the rock, is so uh, enthralled with his calling that in his own letter in the New Testament, it's called 1 Peter, is this letter, chapter 1, verse 1, Peter describes himself first and foremost as Peter, an apostle of Christ. See Peter living into his calling? An apostle. And what Jesus is doing in chapter 16, he's saying, see this guy here? He's going to be my rock. I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm telling you, because I'm Jesus, he's going to be my rock. It doesn't mean he's not going to fail, he's not going to stumble, but I will make sure he will be my rock. And Peter does, becomes a key leader in the church. The prophetic name became reality, even though all of the data at hand showed that Jesus had the wrong guy. Jesus saw something that we cannot see. You know, legend has it that uh, Dodger great Tommy Lasorda, he met a young pitcher, and he saw greatness, incredible talent, but he was a bit too timid to succeed. And so he gave the man, this young talent, a nickname. And his nickname would help him to become fierce and competitive. And so he named him Bulldog, this timid, talented pitcher. And so Dodgers pitcher, Oral Bulldog Hershiser, he went on to be one of the best pitchers that Major League Baseball has ever seen. Because Tommy saw something in Oral Hershiser that even he and none of the other scouts could see. And he spoke it into existence. Now, here's the good news. Jesus has a few more skills than Tommy Lasorda. When Jesus speaks it into you, he is speaking it into existence. Because he's not just a master, not just some great enlightened one. He is the Lord of lords, the King of kings. He's the Lord of the universe. When Jesus speaks something into you, it will come to pass. You say, yes. Jesus, speak to me. Tell me who I am. Tell me who you want me to be. Tell me who I'm to become. In Matthew 16, verse 21, the rock, right? From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter, the rock, took Jesus aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Uh Uh-oh. 
saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. This is the fourth name for Peter, by the way, in case you're taking notes. You, Satan, are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And then in verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Oh, you mean I can't just make you a spiritually enlightened one who gives me good advice occasionally, Jesus? Oh, no. Who do you say I am? Am I your Lord? Or is your agenda more important than my agenda? Because Peter had an agenda. See, Peter actually is a pretty savvy guy. He's a businessman. Jesus is going to be the next king of Israel. He's going to expel the Roman Empire. That's what all the Jews thought. So Peter is basically gunning for a seat in the new office of the kingdom. He wants to be the king's right-hand man. And Peter's like, wait, 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 all this death talk? What are you talking about? We got a plan. We're going to have power. He says, oh, no, no, no. It's all about me laying down my power so that you can have life. I'm coming to die. Peter's plan was not Jesus's plan. Will you lay down your plans? as you call him your Lord. Later, when Jesus was arrested, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Total failure. He's wrong all the time. But yet Jesus stayed committed to grow Peter despite his failures. He saw a rock, and Jesus is committed to you despite your failures. Paul says in Philippians 1.6 that God will finish the work he started in you. That's great news, fellow Peters, because you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, but God will finish the work he began in you. And that's when we come to the table saying, Lord, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I'm a sinner. But Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. I will take up my cross and follow you today. God will finish the work he started in you. I want you to remember that. Because God's not done with you yet, right? Can I get an amen? If Jesus is your Lord, God's not done with you yet. Turn to someone next to you and say, God's not done with me yet. God's not done with me yet. God's not done with me yet because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's not done with you. If he's your what? Lord. If he's just your master, no promises. God has a purpose for all of us whom God has called, and yet we have a propensity to fail. But God still has a purpose for those of you who call him Lord and yet still fail. Oh, he loves you who will finish the work he started. See, only Jesus could have known what an incredible rock Peter, Petros, would be in the years to come. Why? Because Jesus can see it. He can see things that we cannot see. Peter's leadership grew exponentially after Jesus' ascension, the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And that Pentecost day, Peter, the rock, did stand up amongst the disciples. He became their leader. He's preaching with boldness. 3,000 men were saved in Acts 2. And amazing acts of healing were evident in his ministry. That's Acts 3 and Acts 5. Peter became the rock that Jesus predicted. See, Jesus can always see us for who we are and who we can become. 
I know you look in the mirror, maybe on a good day, you're like, I'm looking pretty good. But most days, often as I look in the mirror, maybe it's just me, it's like, I got a lot of imperfections. I have a lot of room to grow. And when Jesus sees you, he can already see the finished work. He's like, oh, if you could just see what I see, you can live into it even more, even now. Jesus, Jesus helped Peter and made Peter become the rock that Jesus himself is responsible to make him into. Jesus is committed to finish the work that he began in us, but we need to be obedient to do our part in the process. So I'm going to leave you with two pieces of advice before we take our communion. And I want you to turn to John 21. John chapter 21, a little bit later in your text. It's an incredible story. I just got to read it. I'm gonna, I'll read it quickly. I'm just going to read it because it's worthy to be read. So basically, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples as after Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He has these like intermittent appearances, but the, Peter doesn't know what's going on. No church has started. Okay, so the, he reveals himself again to the disciples about the Sea of Tiberias and revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they say, we're going to go with you. And they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Is this starting to sound familiar? Okay, you got to imagine, Peter and the disciples, they thought they were going to be Jesus' cabinet in the new kingdom. They're depressed, I think. I think they were confused. And Peter's like, this is church thing that Jesus told me about, but I'm not sure. He hasn't really given me the detailed plan, right? I'm going fishing because I know how to do that. Oh, it's his comfort spot. He's getting comfortable. And here's the point. Disciples need to get out of their comfort and into their calling. Instead of leading the church that Jesus says he's going to lead, he is going fishing. And these incredible parallels between Peter's first encounter and this last encounter with Jesus is on a boat with them not even able to catch fish. And I think Peter's attempting to go back to being a fisherman. I think he's like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm going back to my old job. Maybe Peter's confused. Maybe he's discouraged. Maybe his past failures, he figures, has disqualified him. Maybe Jesus isn't giving me the job. Maybe I'm too much of a screw-up. I wonder. So he goes fishing. He goes back to the comfortable. So let me ask you, do you ever go back to the comfortable and the familiar because you're uncertain about the future? Because Jesus is often calling you out of your comfort and into your calling. But Simon would have never become the apostle Peter unless he let go of being a fisherman. And I wonder if you can do an assessment in your own life of what areas of comfort and familiarity and security you're holding onto that's preventing you to grabbing onto the calling that Jesus has for you. It's not just a job. I'm talking about attitudes and relationships and, and your faith. Because Jesus was right about Peter, this fickle disciple who had doubts and denials and disobedience and who deserved rebuke would eventually become a rock. You got to let go and not go back to your comforts, but live into your calling. Remember Keith Thibodeau, right? Little Ricky Jr.? 
He went from a drugged out, depressed child actor to a disciple of Jesus and eventually to a sold out evangelist and for decades has continued to preach the gospel of Christ through performing arts. See, disciples need to get out of their comfort zones and hold on to hope. That's the second piece of advice as we wrap up. See, in John 21, I'm going to jump right to verse 15, because what happens, they try to catch fish, they don't. Jesus shows up, but they don't know it. And so Jesus is like, hey, throw your nets down over there. And he, they do, not knowing who that is. And they catch, guess what? An amazing haul of fish again. And then Peter realized, oh, it's Jesus. And he meets him on the shore. Okay? And in this meeting on the shore... Take a look at John 21, verse 15. They have breakfast. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, first of all, ouch. He doesn't use the name rock. Simon, and three times, Simon, 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 do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I think Jesus is purposely reinstating Peter but he's first got to deal with this, this part. Denial, denial, denial. Love, love, love. Simon says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And it's not Jesus saying, that's all I need to know because I want you to go feed my sheep. I want you to do my work. I want you to be the apostle I called you to be. And here's the thing I want you to hear. Jesus reminds Peter to hold onto the hope of Jesus' love as he serves. No guilt trip from Jesus. No, like, hey, you're about to lose your apostleship if you don't really love, love, love. I want you to know, don't hear anything else. Calling Jesus your Lord, do you love him? Because he loves you. Do you know he loves you? Do you know why he gave his life for you, for you? That is the seed that leads to service. Peter could have hopelessly clung to his identity as the one who had failed Jesus time and time and time again. But at some point, he had to embrace his prophetic identity as the rock that Jesus declared him to be. See, Jesus always tells us who we are before he tells us what to do. Peter needed to hold on to the hope that he would truly be a rock and his life would not be defined by his deficits, but by his discipleship. And so do you. Like a pastor, Jack Hayford, says this. He says, Jesus Christ never measures the size of his potential pillars by the failures of their past. I think that's a word for someone here today. Because when you define yourself by your failures or your accomplishments, either one, instead of Jesus, you will always be stuck somewhere Jesus doesn't want you to be. So stop defining yourselves by your deficits and stop defining yourselves by all your accomplishments. Find yourself by Jesus, Lord of my life. Jesus, the one who loves me with an everlasting love. I'm going to invite the worship team back up as we launch into our time of the Lord's Supper. I'm going to point you to a text in 1 Peter 2. This is Peter himself talking about himself and talking about you. The original Rocky, what he says about you is this. He says, you and I are living stones. So I want you to think about this, because you could say, well, Pastor Tim, I understand why we need to leave our comfort zones. I understand that we need to lean into this hope of Jesus. But look, it's not fair, because Peter had a prophetic calling to be a rock. I don't. Jesus never done that with me. Well, I'm going to 
point to 1 Peter 2, 4 through 6. Peter says, just as I am called a rock, you too are living stones. There's your prophetic call to live into the calling that Jesus has for you. Not just sitting on the sidelines, not just keeping Jesus at arm's length, but you too are a rocky, full of potential to live for Jesus. In whatever way he's called you, leaving your comforts and living into your calling, discovering and recommitting to the hope that's only found in Jesus, the Lord of all. Friends, did you close your eyes and join me in a prayer? We're going to start with a moment of silent confession. Jesus, we admit that we often do not think of you as the true Lord that you are. Lord, I pray particularly for those who maybe are confessing for the first time that they've kept you at arm's length. Lord, I pray for them right now. They confess to you in the silence sins of keeping you away. But for all of us confessing our sins, Lord, hear us now as we silently confess. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.